0: Complex, the show where the panelists were gifted kids who refused to move on, with a satirical take on intellectual elitism by having the most tongue-in-cheek, inane, pedantic and convoluted conversations every week.
1: Introducing your host this episode. She's ambitious to the point of hubris. It's Cher C. We're doing a science episode from me. <laughs> it's Cher's science episode.
0: And every other episode, her burnout is imminent. Your host is C'm C.
1: I'm, I'm co-hosting today. Um, I do a BA in history in Oxford, and I'm not a scientist, so it's going to be very exciting.
0: Each panelist here today has experienced gifted kid syndrome in some way. Taya, would you like to explain yours very
1: briefly? It's just the title of this episode is just Taya's on a scientist. <laughs> um, it's not. Yeah, actually, I was a scientist when I was a child. That's right. Um, I really wanted astrophysics, which is really... Insane. I was really, I was really big on it. I think I visited NASA one too many times in Houston. I've got family in Houston. Wow. Um. Yeah, I know. I'm jealous. Eight year old me was absolutely captivated, and who wouldn't be? They had a giant space themed jungle gym. Cher, What about you?
0: I'm Cher. I do philosophy at University College London. I did maths, further maths, philosophy, and English literature A level. Um. A fun fact about me for this episode is that. I am fucking terrified of the ocean. (laughs) Deep and profound fear of the ocean. And yet...
1: And and yet?
0: And yet, the word of the day is bathypelagic.
1: Lovely. Spell it.
0: B-A-T-H-Y-P-E-L-A-G-I-C. Meaning, of, relating to, or living in the ocean depths, especially between approximately 600 and 3,600 metres.
1: Oh. So...
0: The bathypelagic zone, deep. It's below the mes- mesopelagic zone, okay. right above the abyssopelagic zone. So it's like the penultimate one, okay? Almost, yeah. Cool. Uh, includes the water that overlies the continental slope. That area of the ocean is believed to be home to organisms that we have no idea about. So that's cool. Wonderful. It combines Greek "bathys" for deep, uncertain origin, and "pelagic" as in open sea. From Greek via Latin.
1: Why is that the word of the day? <laughs>
0: Are you getting the tone of what this episode is? <laughs> deep sea. <laughs> well, it's not necessarily deep sea, it's just it's just the
1: sea. I, I I'm a big fan of the ocean. Have you been on a boat? I have. I don't really get seasick. Um and I've sailed. Oh you've sailed. It's quite fun. And the beach is always very nice. You swimming in the ocean.
0: Do you think a submarine is a boat?
1: No. It's a submarine.
0: <laughs> According to some naval institutions, a submarine is listed as a kind of boat. Aren't boats meant to float? No, boats do sink. They they are known to do that sometimes. I think it's a ship. It's a ship. According to the U.S. Navy, it's a ship. They are traditionally still referred to as boats, apparently, which is weird. Don't like that. Oh wait, wait,
1: wait. In the Venn diagram, let's say you have like ships mm-hmm. as the big thing. And then inside that you have boats Yes. and then inside that you also have submarines because you can also have like spacecraft and those are also called like spaceships.
0: Spaceship is a term that we don't really use outside of sci-fi.
1: No one is genuinely- No, 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 no. Let me live my spaceship dream. Me, an eight-year-old in NASA, bro, let me live my spaceship dream.
0: So submarines- People have referred to submarines as boats.
1: I don't want submarines to be a bo- It's like saying, like, you know, I don't know, a, a smoothie is soup. These are
0: all definitions of things that do not have, like, a natural definition. These are all man-made things, and hence our definitions of them are always going to be woolly. All of these definitions are probably going to come post the thing existing. <laughs> yep. Hence... There's not really gonna be a clear delineation because these words are usually just used conventionally first in a colloquial context, and then we try and define them very specifically afterwards, realizing that oh, we gotta make some real squiggly lines or blurt them. Hence boat and ship, clearly having a difference, but not really knowing where the line is.
1: Within the subset of ships, you also have you also have romantic pairs. <laughs> used by fandoms, a ship. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, continue.
0: Truly, truly a reflection of who we are as people. I have a fun game for you.
1: A fun game.
0: This is a variation on this or that. Okay. Which is, the game where the panelists attempt to speculate, decipher, and categorize. Today, I will present a list of facts about an animal. And that animal could either be a cephalopod, a cetacean, or a crustacean. Do you Mm. like where this is going? Okay. So cephalopoda is a class of mollusks. So squids, octopodes, cuttles. Nautiluses, or them cool cetacea is an infra order so that's your whales dolphins porpoises and crustacea is a subphylum so i am aware that i picked three categories of animals that are not the same taxonomic rank but it's my show i can do what i want shut up
1: yeah also <laughs> here's my fun fact um i'm allergic to crustaceans
0: i did not know that about you we will not eat shellfish together. Or I'm not really a shellfish person anyway.
1: Uh, you know, I have actually been a shellfish person and I would throw up after. And, you know, <laughs> I would think to myself, must have been a bit off. You know, about a year ago, a year or two ago, I was like, hey, why is it that I always throw up whenever I have lobster, crab, or prawn <laughs> connecting the dots? And I kind of went, huh. But anyway, if I want to have hagao, I'm going to have hagao. Fair enough. Hagao is great. I can and will
0: continue to eat
1: shellfish. Shellfish, if I want.
0: <laughs> so I was actually considering some other animals for this. I was considering okay, cnidarians. cnidarians. So that's your jellies and anemones. Mm. But they are so different to the other three that I actually end up picking yeah. that there's no way I could find any facts about cnidarians that could be true of the other three. Um, I could have also talked about pinnipeds, so that's your seals, Ooh. and sirenians, which are dugongs and manatees, but those don't start with C, so that didn't really…
1: <laughs> oh yeah. So this is like share C and Tear C, so we have like a C. Yes.
0: So um, <laughs> the episode title is called Three Cs of the Seas. <laughs> <Brr. laughs> Do you like it? I like it. It's cute. So are you ready? I'm so ready. I'm going to give you a fact about an animal. You tell me based on the fact whether you think it's a cephalopod, a cetacean, or a crustacean. You don't have to guess what specific animal it is, just which of those categories it fits into.
1: Ooh, okay.
0: This game was hard to write.
1: I can imagine it's probably difficult to write.
0: You get bonus points if you can guess what animal it is, though. I don't think you'll be able to. I'll be really surprised if you can. My
1: animal trivia is so bad. I'm going to draw upon the years of me watching wildlife programs as (laughs) a child. All right.
0: This animal makes a semen resembling waxy substance called spermaceti. What? Which translates to sperm oil. You just ask
1: me which
0: sea animal secretes something like semen. I never said it secretes it. I just said it makes this substance. What? It could secrete it. I didn't say that though.
1: Okay. I don't think it's a crustacean.
0: Interesting. Why?
1: As far as I know, they don't. They don't mix. Whatever on earth this substance is that's vaguely like human semen. Well,
0: okay, yeah. I, I would like to say that, again, I am not referring to actual semen, which this animal could make. Yeah. I'm referring to a substance that resembles semen that has been called spermaceti as a result.
1: I'm going to guess it's a cephalopod.
0: Interesting. Everybody I've play tested this with has guessed it's a cephalopod. The actual animal is a sperm whale
1: oh my god of course it's a sperm whale yeah so it's a cetacean i I don't know i think we all pick cephalopods because they're kind of slimy nothing against cephalopods but you know what i mean like they yeah you know
0: (laughs) um right so i'll tell you about the sperm whale
1: sperm whale
0: It's the largest of the toothed whales, and it's the largest living predator, and it's the most sexually dimorphic cetacean. So males are three times as massive as the females, which is weird to see in mammals. So yeah, they are pelagic, they live away from the shore, and they are the third deepest diving mammal, diving 2.25 kilometers down. Good for them. Which is insane. Um, It's beaten by the southern elephant seal and the cuvier's beaked whale. So I'll tell you about spermaceti.
1: I'm learning lots of new things today. So
0: it's created by the spermaceti organ.
1: Okay. It's an organ that makes it.
0: Which contains up to 1900 liters of spermaceti.
1: Oh.
0: It's in the head of the sperm whale, which is why it has that weird squarish head. That's what's in there.
1: Come is stored in the brain.
0: (laughs) Oh my God. Interestingly, the sperm whale has a huge brain and which is right next to the spermaceti, I guess.
1: Oh my god.
0: Apparently smells like raw milk. What?
1: So it's like a mixture of some (laughs) kind.
0: It's made mostly out of wax esters and a little bit of triglycerides. So there are theories suggesting what spermaceti is for although it's not clear as to why. sure Theories range from buoyancy to echolocation because it could change in density with temperature. And I don't know if you know this, but like um, beluga whales, that little lump on their head is called a melon and they use those for echolocation. So Mm. maybe it's something similar than that, but it's not clear. So we actually don't know why. No, we don't know why. We don't have a clear, definitive reason why they make it and why there's so much of it. (laughs) Just so much
1: I don't know maybe it's used for something else hella lubrication
0: (laughs) in the in the head aids thinking processes it was a really sought after substance it was used for lamp oil as were a lot of other whale oils save the whales spam generated a lot of revenue back when whaling was still a lot more common and okay don't do it it's not okay don't do it here's my personal advice to you the listener don't
1: kill a whale Don't be a, don't be a, don't be a Moby Dick.
0: All right. You ready for your next animal? I am ready for my next animal. So this animal farms the producers that it eats. Oh. I'll give you a second clue if you need it. But for now, I'm just going to leave you with that. What if it eats? It farms. What do people, what what do they eat? What do dolphins eat? Fish? Do you want to know what the producers are? I feel like that would be a giveaway though.
1: Is it like plankton? It's bacteria. Okay.
0: I'll give you a further clue. The bacteria are chemosynthetic, not photosynthetic.
1: Oh, okay. Well, I don't think it's a cetacean.
0: Yeah, that's a fair elimination to make.
1: Because they eat fish.
0: They can also be filter feeders. They eat plankton as well.
1: I need my David Attenborough knowledge to come through right now. I need my blue planet (laughs) knowledge. Blue. (laughs) Okay, what are the other two? Okay, cephalopods. I have no clue what they eat. Cephalopods? yeah
0: they can eat quite a few things
1: They probably can right they usually are hunters maybe a crustacean but i don't really know what they eat either <laughs> so it wouldn't surprise me if it's either one of the two what kind of bacteria
0: would be chemosynthetic where do those bacteria live
1: oh it's probably gonna be a cephalopod because if it's photosynthetic it's up by the sun and crustaceans are usually i don't know i don't think they go that far below sea crustaceans there are a lot of deep sea crustaceans. Oh, is it like um, is it like soup from the fo- from the floor? Soup from the floor? You know, like the volcanic soup. Oh, they
0: they yeah, they live around deep sea vents. I wouldn't call that soup.
1: but... <laughs> Talking about the ocean. If you think about it, the ocean is one big soup. Earth soup. Soup with the sea. <laughs> That's cool.
0: <laughs> <laughs> soup with the sea is already a word. <laughs>
1: Okay, I'm going to guess it's a crustacean. It is a crustacean. Slade, what kind of crustacean is it?
0: It is called a yeti crab, also known as a furry lobster. It oh. is actually not a true crab, nor is it a true lobster. It's what's called a squat lobster, which is actually closer to crabs.
1: So I can eat it.
0: I don't know. I don't think people have done that.
1: Let's not find out.
0: Let's not find out. Yeah. It's called the yeti crab because it mostly likes pigment. And also, it looks furry. I will explain that in a second.
1: It's fuzzy.
0: It's completely white, basically, including in the eyes. So it's thought to be blind. A lot of animals in the deep sea don't really have a lot of good vision because they don't need that. Um, So they have filamentous bacteria that chemosynthesize and detoxify the squat lobster's environment. And they grow in the CT, which are like the hair-like bristles on the pincers of the crab. I'm going to just call it a crab conventionally. We're going to talk about crabifying things all day yeti
1: crab yeti crab
0: the bacteria grow on the ct of the yeti crab's pincers. it grows on other parts of its body as well and here's why i say they farm them evidence from lipid and isotope analysis really strongly implies that the bacteria is the yeti crab's main source of food oh and it'll move its arms around it'll do like a like a soft rave, like a, a little wave back and forth um, which looks like it's trying to catalyze the growth of the bacteria.
1: Oh, new dance move unlocked. Crab rave. That's <gasps> what they're
0: doing. They're crab doing the
1: crab rave. rave. Oh my God.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the crab rave crab. We found him. I love him
0: yes. already. You love him? Uh, yes. Yeah. They look a bit oblong. Oh,
1: little crabs. How big are they?
0: 15 centimeters.
1: Oh, that's actually really cute. Yeah. So like, like
0: that big. Oh, <laughs> They are, they are okay. cute. All right. So this animal has distinctive ruffed patches on its head, which are unique to each individual, similar to... human fingerprint and scientists use these patterns to identify and track individuals of this species. Probably
1: I'm going to guess it's a cephalopod because it's the one we haven't had yet.
0: Oh, you're trying to game theory your way through this?
1: I don't know what I'm doing, man.
0: I have a few of these lined up, so if you're trying to go on like which ones haven't come up yet, that's not going to be a great strategy.
1: Okay, so we're at number three, so we have to to speed run these. Okay. I'm still going to guess it's a cephalopod. You're
0: going to be guessing this is a cephalopod?
1: Yeah, I'm going to be guessing it's a cephalopod.
0: So this is actually a whale. Huh. Yeah, it's a whale. They're called North Atlantic right whales. Eubalena um, glacialis, which means good or true whale of the ice. Um, so the patches on their heads are made of keratin. It's skin, which are called callosities, similar to the calluses that we have. I'm a guitarist. I have calluses on my fingers.
1: I'm a pianist. I don't have those.
0: These are present from birth, so they're not gained from like that kind of stuff. We get calluses from, they just are there which seem to be home to whale lice and the relationship seems to be symbiotic. It's not like they have zero relationship with each other, but it's not understood yet. I don't imagine it's good for the whale that there are lice living in its callosities. Yeah, not clear what the symbiosis is like yet. It's a dorsal finless baleen whale, so smooth back. Um, It has keratin baleen, it filter feeds. Um, My favorite fact about this whale is that its blowhole is V-shaped so when it makes it blows, the blows are heart-shaped, which is adorable. That's
1: actually so cute. Oh, <laughs> heart-shaped blowhill whale.
0: They're known to interact with other cetaceans like humpbacks and bottlenoses, and they are promiscuous breeders, first giving birth around age 9 to 10. Are you ready for your next animal? Yes. So in a recent study of this animal, all of them were able to wait for the better reward and tolerated delays for up to 50 to 130 seconds which is comparable to chimpanzees corvids and parrots okay so i don't know if you know about like the marshmallow test right we talk about the marshmallow test a lot yeah i do it's like seeing if kids can wait to get two marshmallows instead of have one immediately
1: i don't know i feel like like octopi are really smart
0: right so it is a cephalopod but it is a cuttlefish and this is just the common cuttlefish it's not even like a really like specific niche cuttlefish it's just Regular cuttlefish. Cuttlefish. So the cuttlefish that could wait longer for a meal also showed better cognitive performance in learning a task. They were trained to associate a visual cue with a food reward, basically operant conditioning, like the dogs in Pavlov's experiment. Yep. Then they did a switch, and the reward became associated with a different cue. Quote, the cuttlefish that were the quickest at learning, both of these associations were better exerting self-control. So this is a weird correlation seeing in animals like Learning abilities and self-restraint are, you know, they seem to be correlated, at least in the cuttlefish, fish, which is really interesting. Fun. Yeah. So by contrast, like other taxa, like some monkeys, rodents, um, and birds like chickens yeah. and pigeons, they found it difficult to just like wait for going for the immediate thing. Um mm. and they exhibited really low levels of self-control, which is really interesting then that this cudgel fish can wait 50 to 130 seconds Yeah, in the study the cuttlefish actually could choose not to continue waiting at any point so the cuttlefish would be here there would be an inaccessible live shrimp there and then just like a dead shrimp and like you know from the grocery store or whatever so the dead shrimp was accessible the entire time so the cuttlefish could have just decided to stop waiting whenever and the wait time was different each time mm. it wasn't like a specific set amount of time it was anywhere from 10 to 130 seconds and some of the fish could wait the whole time the whole 130 seconds um, wow yeah it indicates that the fish's decisions to wait in those conditions were actually genuine self-control which is mm. insane so like we can talk about like chimpanzees dogs Grey parrots, while trying to wait for a better reward, distract themselves. So, like, look away or something else. The cuttlefish seemed to turn their bodies away while trying to wait for oh. the better shrimp. Um, but it wasn't very clear whether they were doing this because, like, the roof of the tank that they were doing this was opaque, and they didn't, the, the scientists who were doing the study didn't think that that would be something that they would be looking yeah. at. So, there's further research to be done there. But yeah. A couple of these animals may have sex for up to 30 hours. Oh, males oh. sometimes have sex with objects that look like they could be a female of its species, including males of its species.
1: This is giving dolphins. 30 hours dolphin sex? I think I've heard that dolphins can just go. Dolphins spark hard though, that's they true. They do, and they can and will have intercourse with members of their own species that's part of the same like that's the same sex as them so like male on male and stuff like that Mm -hmm. female dolphins i don't know but um that's what i've heard is that your guess yeah actually
0: it's a cephalopod so actually this is a nautilus
1: dolphins do it too though
0: 30 hours i don't think they do oh 30 hours would be not but like (laughs) (laughs) don't think they do 30 hours Yeah, so the male-to-female ratio appears to be 3 to 1, and it's not really clear why. It has a beak, it has blue blood, and it moves by jet propulsion, like all cephalopods. The blood is blue because they use hemocyanin. Wait, is this like
1: a, what is it, a nautilus? Yeah, a nautilus. What is it like? I literally don't think I've ever seen a nautilus. So that's the one with the shell. Oh, okay. All
0: right, okay. so the nautilus is that one with the external shell. It has a bunch of Lol siri. So yeah, Mm -hmm. the tentacles of the Nautilus are actually Ciri, which are composed of long soft flexible appendages which are retractable into corresponding hardened sheaths. Um, Unlike other cephalopods, the Nautilus has poor vision and overdeveloped smell through their siri being very ciliated, and they are the only um, living cephalopods to have external shells. Although that was a lot more common at the beginning of cephalopod history, most of them actually had external shells.
1: Sure, but explain why they can have sex for 30 hours.
0: I can't explain that. <laughs> I don't have an explanation for that. That's just a fact. <laughs> so in the early embryonic stages of nautilus development, a single mollusk foot differentiates into 60 to 90 separate Ciri and that number varies within its own species which is weird for an animal its grip is so powerful that if you attempt to take something away from it it will rip the Ciri off of the animal
1: oh my god uh never attempt to like when you're having sex with <laughs> well not when you but like when <laughs> they're having sex when I specifically you rip them apart from each other and then they die
0: oh that is a tragic like Shakespearean tragedy it kind of it really is <laughs> Okay, this is my last animal in the game.
1: Okay. This
0: last animal often carries anemones with it to defend itself. And they've been referred to as resembling pom-poms.
1: This is giving crustacean.
0: It is? Is that your guess? I
1: can imagine them like, you know, holding them on their shells or something like that. That seems so cute. Mm-hmm.
0: Alright, so you're right.
1: Oh I'm right. Okay.
0: This is a little crab.
1: Aw, oh, of course it's a little crab.
0: This is a tiny little crab called the boxer crab or the pom-pom crab. The pom-pom crab. I love the pop-pop crab. So it grows to about one inch long. Oh. And their claws are not broad, like decapod crabs usually have like broad, yeah. broad um claws, but these ones are thin. Um, so they earn their nickname from the fact that they carry two live sea anemones at all times, one in each claw.
1: Brunette on his left, blonde on his right. <laughs> <laughs>
0: It's a weird symbiosis because the crab is protected from predators by waving the anemones around because the anemones have their neetoblasts, so that's their toxin cells, Yeah, right? And the anemones, I guess, get leftover food from the crab's meals. But here's where it gets weird because it wasn't weird enough already. <laughs> no. When a pom bum crab is lacking sea anemones, it steals one from another crab. It will fight with another crab oh. and steal it and it will then split it into two fragments. It will rip it into half so that it regenerates into two identical clones of the original Uh. anemone. This is the first known instance of animals forcing the asexual reproduction of other animals. Yeah. Interestingly, they seem to always use the same species of anemone, and it's not really clear where they get them from Mm. because these anemones are never seen growing freely literally anywhere else other than just with the crabs. Oh my
1: god. They invented their own species of anemone. It seems like a hand me down
0: situation. <laughs> That's actually really cute. Um, yeah, these anemones have never been
1: found living separately. At any point in history, did the anemones grow like independently? They must have.
0: I mean, they must have, but they probably had like um a co evolution thing going That's on. That's actually really it, cool. The crabs are never seen without the pom poms, and the anemones are never seen without the crabs. <laughs> oh my god.
1: <laughs> Okay, even the fighting is yeah. cute. They're, like, very small. They're completely harmless.
0: Are they harmless?
1: <laughs> are, they, are the fights, like, lethal? Yeah. <laughs> what?
0: Oh my they god, be. they can
1: kill the crab? Um,
0: they, they can be. Sometimes Sometimes they aren't, though. Usually the winner, well, the victor of the fight will steal the anemone from the other crab, probably leaving the other crab defenseless, Aww. Um, and then rip their one pom-pom in half.
1: No. So
0: that they then have two.
1: okay. They have two pom-poms. Yeah. The anemones, I'm guessing, are very small as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll send you a photo of them. The pom-poms are white.
1: Damn. (laughs) No pink pom-poms. That sucks. (laughs) PPP. Some of them have been pink.
0: It depends on the species. Okay. Depends on the species, but yeah, they're usually white. Um, Okay. Yeah. Your last game (gasps) is going to be a spelling bee... Oh, it you know, a no. spelling bee of marine terms.
1: Oh my God. Okay, all right.
0: Are you ready? Are you ready?
1: <laughs> I'm actually, you know, this is a, another fun fact about me. I'm actually really bad at spelling because I can't keep track of the letters in my head oh. in what order I've already said them. <laughs>
0: That's so fair.
1: So yeah. I'm, I'm really good at spelling like when I'm writing or when I'm like handwriting or typing something. But if I'm spelling it out loud, I'm just terrible.
0: So we're going to try it. We're going to try. We'll see how this goes. All okay. oh, right. I'm only going to give you four words. It's not going to take that long.
1: Continue. Four, four words. Four words.
0: Your first word is Nidarian. It can be pronounced either Nidarian, Nidarian.
1: Nidarian.
0: Do you need a definition?
1: Uh, Yeah, definition.
0: Of an animal in Nidaria. Um, which is a phylum under Kingdom Animalia containing over 11,000 species of aquatic animals found in both freshwater and marine environments, predominantly the latter. What? So this includes coral, anemone, jellies. Okay, okay. Their distinguishing feature is their needle blasts, specialized explosive cells used mainly for capturing prey.
1: Um, I think it's N-A-I or N-A-E. Maybe N-Y.
0: I can already tell you that you're wrong. Great.
1: Darien, I'm guessing, is D-A-E. No, no. Alright. What? Would you like to
0: try again? I'll give you the etymology first and then you can okay. try again. Alright, so it comes from ancient Greek. Kinidi for nettle. <laughs> no, I've got no goddamn clue. It comes from kinidi. What is kinidi? It means nettle.
1: I don't know how to spell that but, either.
0: But like you can hear the sound. For no, just like try and spell the word in full and I'll tell you if you're good.
1: Okay. Um N i d a. E R I A N. Right, so that makes
0: sense. However, your spelling is actually C N I D A R I A N.
1: C N I. Oh, I was gonna at some point I was gonna go P N I. Oh.
0: I thought that the etymology kinity would help no. you put the C in there. <laughs> that
1: was not a that was not a thought in my brain. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right, so this next word, I think you can actually get this one. There's there's no like trickery here. Thalassophobia, the persistent and intense fear of deep bodies of water, such as the sea, oh, oceans, or lakes.
1: I know this. T-H-A-L-A-S-O-P-H-O-B-I-A.
0: There you go. Yep. So it comes from Greek thalassa, meaning sea, and Phobos meaning fear.
1: It's a fun word. It's called thalassocracy, which basically means a sea empire, or like a sea state. Oh. Yeah.
0: Um, in Judeo-Christian belief systems, the sea is often depicted as like a space of like disaster punishment, you know? So like we talked about like flood myths briefly in the first episode.
1: <laughs> we did.
0: Flood myths in general have often been divine punishment kind of thing. Still
1: is an area of mysticism.
0: Yeah, if we don't know what's down there. Your last word is biosynosis this is not of a marine-specific word, but it's my show. <laughs> I can do whatever <laughs> I want.
1: Biocenosis. Biocenosis. So B-I-O-S-Y-N-O-S-I-S. Yeah, this is why I'm terrible at spelling things right. out loud, because I just lose track in the middle of the word. So it's actually
0: B-I-O-C-O-E-N-O-S-I-S. It comes from bio for life and Greek koinosis, as in sharing. Like koinos, like common so that's where it shares its etymological root. It means an association of different organisms forming a closely integrated community. So This term was coined by Carl Mobius in 1877, describing interacting organisms living together in a habitat, otherwise known as a biotope, and the term has really declined its use in the 21st century. And also the Mobius Strip was discovered by a guy completely separate to this guy. So the Mobius Strip was August Ferdinand Mobius. you have any, any final thoughts? What do you think?
1: I like the sea, is my opinion. Even though I literally know nothing about what actually lives in it, because I need to start watching uh, Blue Planet, it seems. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's very beautiful and uh, we should protect it. It is beautiful. We should protect the sea. The sea is lovely.
0: Yeah, I find it really interesting. And I think it's really cool. I just don't want to be inside it.
1: Fair enough. Um, You know, that might actually help it. Think less humans running around in the sea and making a mess of it. Yeah,
0: me being inside it, my really altruistic behavior is me (laughs) not going to the ocean. That's how I'm (laughs) saving the world, as it were.
1: Yeah, uh, my, my final thoughts are that protect the ocean. We should not be littering on beaches anymore protect the ocean Um, lots of plastic in the sea is not very good we shouldn't be doing that at all we shouldn't be doing that at all
0: What the great pacific garbage patch it's called right that thing
1: yeah the great pacific garbage Patch is actually something else um it's crazy there's a lot of like a lot of science explaining like even more of how pervasive the effects of microplastics are for the sea life um and how bad it is for them And how important they are to us. And also like overfishing, conservation, as well as like rising like sea level Mm -hmm. temperatures and as well as like the melting of the ice caps is all really fucking with the ocean ecosystem. And of course, it's probably probably plenty and I'm not the most well versed on the subject, but um, our oceans are very important to us as sources of water and as really big parts of our history as well and our myths.
0: They hold so much carbon dioxide on Earth. They do. It's really important. The ocean's getting really acidic for the fish. It, it's not great. Um, yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. So something about me is that I, when I've been in the ocean, get freaked out that there are fish under me. I don't like that I could be, I'm exposed in all three axes, is my my <laughs> issue, I think. <laughs> On land, I don't need to worry about down.
1: I've also always been a pretty big swimmer. I've um, just enjoyed swimming a lot. I used
0: to swim as well, but I would get freaked out about thinking about animals in the water with me, even in a pool. <laughs> so that was my Fair fun. Enough.
1: Fair enough. <laughs> Maybe animals, but also like children pooping and peeing in the pool. That usually would give me, like, that's a bit yike. Yeah,
0: no, fun. like the chlorine smell, the pool smell is not actually from chlorine. The pool smell is disgusting. We hate the pool smell. The, the smell is from urine reacting with the chlorine in the pool. So that's cool.
1: Yup. Lovely. Fun facts for all you swimmers out there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> anyway, I okay. think that's a great way to stop the episode.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Let's not go any further. Um.
0: thank you for listening to the gifted kid complex if you've enjoyed this episode of our podcast and would like to support us a very simple way to do so is to let people know we're here subscribe follow whatever you do so you can come back every week rate and review us so others can find us too
1: we always appreciate hearing anything you our listeners have to say it's always really lovely to hear good things about what you're making and also to know what your audience would like to see in the future so if you'd like to contact us Um, to make some suggestions or share any interesting things or respond to our show notes, which we'd love, um, you can do so via the link tree in our show notes.
0: If you're able to, we also have a Ko-fi if you'd like to send us a tip. It's linked in our show notes down there as well, alongside any references to topics we discussed today if you want further reading.
1: For now, we will release a few short bonus episodes, as and when, made out of the tangents that landed on the cutting room floor for free. Um, And if we gain enough traction and support, we might be able to make some more exclusive content for our lovely regular supporters one day too. Um, So if that piques your interest, you know where to go.
0: The Gift Dicted Complex is created and managed by me, Cher and both Tay and I host, write, produce, and edit for the show, although I will be editing the majority of them for now. We record our episodes at Riverside.fm and publish with rss.com. So thank you to them for helping us in making the Gifted Kid Complex exist.
1: Finally, thank you to you, our listeners, because you are the reason we can and do make the Gifted Kid Complex. We have so much fun making this podcast. It was really funny today as well. I had a great time. Um, And we Mm -hmm. hope that you also uh, love listening to it as well.
0: See you next week and for real this time. Actually next week. Because this is the final episode of our three-episode launch. Yay! So we'll see you next week for another episode, which will be hosted by Taya.
1: Um, I don't know what I'm gonna cook up, but it's gonna be good. So get ready, fish, <laughs> fish, fish. <laughs>